0: This is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager. And Richard Woolsey from Stargate Atlantis.
1: This is Vanessa Angel. This is Maris from
0: This is Christopher Heyerdahl. This is Clifton Collins Jr.
1: This is Mellie from
2: Dollhouse. This is Alistair. And you're you're just listening to the sweet and tasty sounds of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast.
1: Live long.
3: I'm Bad
0: feeling about this. Turns up turning okay. away from the things
4: that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Defy the tourists. If God, God we're all going to die. Only try to realize the truth.
2: There is no truth. We are at peace. Always. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction, movies, and television shows, here are your hosts.
5: Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 49. We are just one episode shy
3: of 50 miles. That makes you feel old, doesn't it? Uh, a little, but um, but excited at the same time. We, we we have 50 episodes. 50
5: episodes. You know, the, the Sci-Fi Diner started around this time. Well, I guess it was February we started the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, mm-hmm. another host. But uh, we started about then as Dining at the End of the Universe, and uh, here we are 50 episodes later or almost. That's exciting. That's an accomplishment. That is quite an accomplishment. Uh, what did I say? Wait, can, you, can you say that in the air? I can't. I'm going to edit that out. Okay. <laughs> or, or beep it out. Beep. But um this is quite an accomplishment mm-hmm. uh, and certainly an exciting thing to be at. Uh, by the way, I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog, and with me is? Hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And uh, we are your hosts at the diner tonight, serving up... A bunch of delicious goodness, uh, a very a long interview, discussion. I don't know what you call this thing, but it was just a lot of fun to kind of interview Jared. And it's Jared um, and uh, I forget his last name. Stalling, um, stalling, stalling. Uh, Formby. Formby.
3: It's Jared Formby. There he goes. And uh, he's significant. Why, Miles? He is significant because uh, he's got to do something probably many of us would like to do. Um, he worked at a theme park, uh, a Star Trek theme park in Las Vegas, and uh, he played a Ferengi for about eight years. Right. And uh, got to be in costume, got to wear you know makeup, prosthetics, and play uh, an alien character and interact with the fans. And uh, That sounds like fun. And he's he still making his mark on the sci-fi world. He's um, he, he occasionally will co-host a Trek cast with uh, David Thomas Ivey and uh, Darren Benjamin. But he also has a, 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 a blog, uh, Hey Star Trek... Uh, That's on the site. It's it's in written form uh, now on YouTube and also on um, audio also. Yeah.
5: And you know, this is – and Hey, Star Trek is not just about Star Trek. It is is his perspective on a ton of different science fiction and media. Right. So we interview – we kind of focus in on the Star Trek. We've had two Star Trek shows, Miles. You know this. You're trying to make this a Star Trek podcast, and it is not.
3: Someday – it just might be.
5: <laughs> Anyways, we do interview them, and uh, we do talk a lot of trek. So uh, um, we hope that you uh, enjoy the trek universe as much as these these guys do tonight. Um, <coughs> but uh, exciting thing, by the way, since we are in the fifty, you know, shows, mm-hmm. uh, well, we would love to have you guys, our listeners, call in, call in, and just say, you know, wish us a happy birthday if you want. And just say, say, happy 50th show. This is da-da-da from here and uh, join the podcast or whatever else you want to say. Um We would love to have your comments on that. And you can leave them at a couple places. You can send us an audio file at the sci-fi diner podcast at com, Or you can just call in one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, 508 4343 and that will uh, – and leave a message there and we'll play it on the show. It's going to be good.
3: It It just – it's has a great accomplishment that we've we will call fifty podcasts in so far, fifty yep, shows. Yep. And we we've done a lot. It's just been a a really fun ride. Yeah, especially since episode
5: so we when we rebranded episode twenty five and it kinda of took on a different flavor after mm-hmm. that. And I uh I like the flavor that we have. It's a good flavor. It tastes real good. It's yummy. And I know. I know. Give me some more coffee miles. Okay. Um anyways, so that's uh kind of where we're at. Tonight, of course, big on the menu is we're interviewing Jared, and as far as anything else on the menu, uh, we'll mention a few news items, but we really don't have time. This podcast is going to run long, and so if you're looking for just an hour podcast, uh, you can listen to the hour mark and uh stop, I guess, if that's where you're at, because it's probably going to run just a little bit longer than that, but we do have some other news that we want to be sharing with you. Uh, Surrogates is out on DVD. Um, Avatar it surpasses Titanic. We're going to talk about that real briefly. Mm-hmm. We'll probably do a five-minute news. We'll do the sci-fi five and five for us. Five minutes of news, and that's about it. That's yeah. all we have time for. Um, uh, let's see here. As far as news go, we have Farpoint coming up. and um, If you have the chance to check us out at the Farpoint uh, con down
3: in baltimore maryland please check us out yep we will be there and um, i believe we'll we'll also be uh, at a panel uh, yeah we'll podcasting. be we'll
5: be doing a podcasting in the press mm-hmm. sounds so official doesn't it it does it does and uh but uh we hope uh, we're, we're hoping to line up interviews with people like felicia day and uh and uh, uh a ton of other notables mm-hmm. and if you want to find out more you can go to their site just type in uh, Farpoint Con, Maryland, and I'm sure that, that it'll pop up. Oh, yeah. It's definitely there. Um, <clears throat> we talk about uh beta testing Star Trek Online a little bit later on, so we won't mention it now. Um, we're still looking at a retrospective with Farscape, Kevin Batchelder. That is going to come out. We will make that happen, but it's probably going to be February. What well, is it going to be February? Because this is the last episode we're running in January at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, that's really about it as far as show news goes. We really don't need to go into anything else. But uh, seriously, guys, if you have comments on anything that we say or even stuff we're not saying that you want to talk about, we really want to hear from you. We really want to hear uh, your thoughts on the shows you're watching, and uh, we'll comment on them and we'll play them. And uh, So feel free to call in, write in. The number again at one 508 4343 uh, email us twitter us and uh we'll figure out something there
3: and we're you know we're, we're on twitter we're on facebook there's ways to get a hold of us yeah, if you really want to hear the opinions of the
5: experts call in i'm just kidding uh, we have a lot of fun doing this we don't consider ourselves experts we do have some opinions every so often and uh we'll go from there okay so um we do have a trivia question. And I'm really surprised that no one actually jumped in this. We're gonna have to like push this trivia again, but this is a trivia question from two weeks ago. It still stands; it's still fair game, and there's still two books to be won for this trivia: two uh, David Allen Mack books, and um, and we're gonna run this for another week or two here and give people a chance to, to write in. Um, but Miles, what is the trivia question?
3: Okay, we asked last time: uh, What do Star Trek Voyager, uh, Battlestar Galactica? and heroes all have in common and you would have had to watch last week's heroes to, uh, to be able to get this. All right. So if you know,
5: call in and we gave you all the digits before I won't do that again, but the prize is a star Trek mirror universe sorrows of the empire, mass market paperback and star Trek Vanguard precipice. Both of those by David Allen Mack, And you can just type in David Allen Mack and find them, right? Yes. So there's plenty there. All right, well, let's take a really quick break, and you're going to hear from uh, some friends of ours at Film Sack where they review old classic and maybe bottom-of-the-barrel movies. It reminds me a little bit of Mystery Science Theater uh, without actually watching the movie. They just do kind of that sort of review, so it's kind of fun. So here you
2: go.
3: I saw it, I tell you, I saw it. It came from the sky.
0: So a lot of us, at least in the U.S., we've got Netflix now. You ever wondered what's at the very bottom of that barrel? I don't know what I can say, but if I don't die, I will be a success. Well, wonder no more. Join me, Scott Johnson, Brian Dunaway, Randy Jordan, and Brian Ibbett every week as we farm the very nether regions of Netflix for the weirdest, most out-there crap you've ever seen. What do you think about Sean?
2: I don't know. Growing up, getting
5: out of the swamp, eating hamburgers, stuff like that.
0: Sometimes it's a terrible movie from the 70s. Sometimes it's a direct-to-DVD that no one saw in 2008. Either way, leave it up to us to tear it apart and piece it right back together on the Film Sack Podcast.
4: Now set the Doom Machine against the Imperial Space Station itself. How long will it take? 15 minutes, then set it in motion.
0: For more information, visit filmsac.com, mining the depths of film entertainment for all mankind.
4: Cato, calling command
1: ship, send advance parties immediately. Have now established humans high in protein and easy prey. (laughs)
5: Back with uh, the Sci Fi Diner news. Right now, we're going to do this in about five minutes because there are some things we just really want to address. Caprica, of course, did come out. Miles, you watched this?
3: Yes, my wife and I watched it uh, last Friday. Um, saw it on DVD, um, but she didn't see it yet, so uh, she liked it. You know, I like seeing it again and look forward to, uh, look yeah. forward to the show. And if if, I mean, if you want the true experience, you want to check it out. You want to check it out
5: on DVD because it is it is uh, they did cut a lot out. Whether that whether you need to see all of that, I don't know, but it definitely changes the experience a little
3: bit. Right. I mean, I'm not only that. You know, there's probably a little more mid- content in there as well. I mean, yeah. for, they they had to they had to have like for two less than two hours for, for, right. for that night. Yeah. So, anyways, so check it out on DVD if you get the chance. Um, as far as movie news, the big thing is what. Avatar. Uh, this surprised me. Um, Avatar is now the highest grossing uh, movie ever made.
5: Yep, and it's true. Box Office Mojo reports that Avatar's worldwide gross now stands at $1.859 billion compared to Titanic's $1.843 billion. Both of those by Cameron. Cameron's a very happy man. Uh, Avatar's Monday gross was three point two million domestic and estimated sixteen point nine million foreign. So this is a movie that's been out since before Christmas, still pulling in money. It's not out of theaters yet. That number's going to go higher.
3: Yes, I mean, and DVD sales, it's going to shoot through the roof. DVD sales, uh, whatever merchandise. Um, I, I think there's Avatar toys out there.
5: I'm guessing. I'm betting that this movie is going to top two billion. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, two billion certainly worth it. Well,
3: we have news in Star Trek. Tell us about what's what's going on in the Star <coughs> Trek world. Well, the SAG Awards was uh, last week, and uh, it actually uh, beat Transformers in uh, the amount of uh, SAG Awards that won. So. Uh, I'm just glad Star Trek was recognized at the SAG Awards. But oh, I yeah. To win some awards. And the,
5: the, what it won was for the best stunt ensemble mm-hmm. in a motion picture. So maybe not the best picture award, but uh, it's just good to see elements of Star Trek being recognized. And, right.
3: And, and, and you don't typically see this. Only the, in the production values. You're not going to see it as far as notable acting or anything like that, which is too bad. But you are going to see either for best score or best stunts and or some, something to that effect. Yeah. Um,
5: by the way, Battlestar Galactica and Fringe and Warehouse 13 also took nominations as well. So that was good to see those shows in there contending. Good. So it's very, very, very cool. And uh, last but not least, we just have to talk about this story, story
3: Miles. We have an underwater futuristic sci fi western coming. Uh, it's a little surprising, but you know, uh, you, you got to keep an open mind. Um, you do. You do.
5: Reminds you a little bit of Serenity when you hear something like that coming down the pike. It does. But... And, of course, it's not a TV series this time, but a movie that's coming down the pike. But it uh, could be interesting. Let's tell you just a little bit of the premise. The premise is this. Um, uh Gotham Group has opted for – has option Dark Life based on a book by Cat Falls and Variety reports that the book will be published in May, so it's not even out, by Scholastic, which won the rights and inked a two-book deal after making the preemptive bid on the manuscript for publishing rights to the book, which generated a considerable buzz. In the pub world, pre-sale have been sold in six languages. Dark life is set in the near-future world, which arising rising ocean levels and natural catastrophes have led some, pe- led some people to a homestead on the ocean floor. Story centers on an under- underwater teenage boy and surface girl who joined forces to uncover a government conspiracy. Now, my only comment when they say teenage boy and girl, I'm instantly going Twilight. Oh yeah, and because I, I think this is ge- it's going to be geared toward the teen crowd, and so where Firefly was much more adult True. in nature. So, uh, Soggy Adventure, I don't know. We'll see what how it develops. Again, it's option. Nothing's in development yet. We'll see if this actually ever transpires, hmm. like other stories. And I guess last, we do have a DVD out that's notable, and that is uh, Surrogates. Yeah. And uh enjoyed the movie and watched it. Uh, you know, It wasn't maybe the best movie of the year. Is it one, Miles, that you are going to rent?
3: I don't know. Not probably right not, away. Probably no. not. In a, I'm not in a hurry to rent it. Right, um, right. Um, it. It was okay.
5: Yeah. It would be interesting to see if there's deleted scenes or maybe extended that maybe explains a little bit more of the universe and what they're going for and mm-hmm. this whole avatar personality thing that they have going on. I don't know. We'll see. I may run it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, I don't even know if it's on my queue right now, but I may run it. Mm-hmm. Chuck's on my queue. I'm waiting for Chuck. I like Chuck. All right, well, we got to move into our interview tonight, and uh, before we do that, let's run through one more promo here. We were promo from our friends at the Chronic Rift, and uh, we'll see you after the break.
2: By party of the mystic guardians of the universe, on the far distant planet Oa... Oath- Al
1: Jordan test
2: pilot becomes the Green Lantern!
1: Whether it's someone who's faster than a speeding bullet, or someone who has the ability to summon and command all creatures of the deep, we have been drawn to the characters of the DC Universe for over 70 years now. Adding to that rich tapestry is the animated adventures of these DC comic book characters. Whether it's the Max Flesher cartoons of the 40s or the animation explosion that began with Batman in the late 80s and continues to this day with direct-to-DVD releases, the DC Universe has been a rich one to mine in terms of animation. Join Arenthal Hawkins and Jay Smith for this week's episode of The Chronic Rift as they welcome guests, illustrator and actor Arnie Starr, and Gamers Haven podcast host Ethan Parker, in discussing the DC animated universe in our roundtable discussion. You can find this episode and more Rift goodness on iTunes, Zoom, or by visiting us at chronicrift.mevio.com.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we at the Sci-Fi Dyer Podcast have been fortunate to be able to interview many sci-fi notables on our show. However, this is the first time we've had the opportunity to interview somebody not from Earth, a real-life Ferengi. His name is Quan. Quan has spent some time on Earth, which we will talk about. Now, Scott, it's very difficult to get a Ferengi to do an interview, being that they are the... I it is. They're the consummate uh, capitalists, and they expect to be handsomely compensated for their time. However, Quan has been gracious to do this uh, pro bono. However, he did make me sign something. I didn't understand the references to my my kidney and my first child, but but Quan told me not to worry about it. Just a formal. Oh uh, yeah, that's that's normal. It's normal. Okay, okay. I, I, I won't, I won't I'm not, not worry then. And uh, I've signed a few of those myself. Okay, okay. Well, okay. So I'm, I was a little nervous there, but I'm not nervous anymore. Uh, but uh quan's no covered my kidneys yet <laughs> <laughs> quan, we are delighted to have you on the sci fi diner podcast
6: oh well i'm 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 glad to be here i I can't believe that the
3: connection's this good I, I am too i mean uh, we're we're using you know primitive twenty first century equipment um and and you you know i'm using borrowed equipment if you're using borrowed equipment <laughs> yeah borrowed twenty first <21st> century equipment <laughs> skype has a great connection across the universe it is yes. So Kwan, uh, when you were on Earth, what, what what was your mission here?
6: Uh, wow! Uh, it was it was explained to me. Um, I was supposed to investigate a certain uh, Ferengi that was already stationed there for certain financial transgressions. I, I was working for the FCA
2: mm-hmm.
6: and and continued to for. Uh, for a number of, of years, but it gets confusing because it's working. It's like years I logged in the 21st century versus years I logged in the 24th century. And uh, so I'm confused. Exact, I, I don't know how long I worked
3: mm-hmm. oh, okay. on the
6: project. So, uh, but the project was, uh, yeah, uh, expose this guy's uh, financial dealings, uh, find records, uh, basically try to ruin his life. Really? The way it was explained to me, yeah.
3: But the temporal mechanics, we just can't figure out how many years uh, actually was.
6: I don't know. I, I'm sure somebody could. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure like Major Colleen could. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you know the the math people, the, the people that uh, I never have enough money to hire, nah. they would they would know.
3: Now, um, now, being that you did serve in the FCA, you probably have some insights into what what is going on with our economy on Earth, and particularly with this country. Uh, what what would you suggest this country do, or even the planet? Uh, do to get ourselves out of this recession, what can we humans learn from the Ferengi?
6: Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you, we had a financial disaster. We had a few financial disasters uh, in the home world, and uh, one of the nastiest ones. Uh, what we did, mm-hmm. we uh, we just retconned it. Retconned it. Yeah, we just retconned it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we just kind of started it all over with a with a fresh reboot. Kind of added some new things, some new rules, mm-hmm. and uh, it it seemed to work for us. Okay. I don't know if you guys can uh, all agree well enough to actually reboot your economy,
3: but uh, if you could, it certainly helps. Well, we are, uh, we are people of uh, differing, differing worldviews all across the planet, so I could see where that might be a challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now, you did have some interaction with humans while you were here. Uh, w- was that a positive uh, experience for you?
6: It, it was. It was. It actually led to one of my uh, greatest uh, financial achievements uh, back on the Ferengi homeworld.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, uh, I decided at one point while I was you know, staring in the abyss of sadness that was uh, being stationed in Las Vegas that I should take advantage of the human culture mm-hmm. and maybe uh, bring some of that back to uh, the Ferengi homeworld because uh, I don't know if, I, if you know this, but not much of your stuff survives to the 24th century. Which is another purpose of why we were there, just kind of to to look at these details that that, that got missed in something called, uh, don't tell me, don't tell me, uh, it's called, uh, it was uh, World War Three. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that destroyed a lot of your stuff.
3: Okay, something to look forward yeah. to. Okay.
6: So yeah, so we, so, well, I, well, I wouldn't look forward. Well, maybe you can look forward to it. hmm I, I I typically don't look forward to. Well, I mean, I do sometimes when I know that, you know, I got the only
3: shelter. Then I look forward to war. <laughs> Well, isn't there a rule of acquisition?
6: Oh yeah, wars for business. Yes. yes, yes, absolutely. Rule of acquisition thirty-four.
3: Okay, uh, I thought I thought I heard that rule sometime. Uh, oh, yes, you did. Mm-hmm. Now, you, forgive uh, forgive this, but sometimes I see people they didn't always have the most positive reaction with dealing with Ferengi. What's probably the biggest misunderstanding other other beings have about your race?
6: Uh, that uh, we are in any position to give a refund? Oh, okay. <laughs> that's got to be that. That's really high on the list. I see. Because, uh, uh, truthfully, uh, I don't know if you guys have any serious convictions. You're human and everything. Mm-hmm. You seem kind of whimsical. You seem to go back and forth a lot. You kind of like fail to commit to some things. Some of you. Ah, uh, but uh, we Ferengi. I mean, the first rule of acquisition strictly states. Once you have their money you never give it back. Right. So if somebody comes into a situation where they think that they're gonna get a refund from a Ferengi mm-hmm. and then they get really upset, it's like, What are you doing? You're trying to, you know, paint this wall the wrong color. <laughs> I mean, you just I mean, obviously it's not gonna happen, so why are you mad at me? Right. I mean don't they I mean where's where's the respect for my culture, you know? Mm-hmm i'm just I'm just trying you know I'm just Franky doing the best I can so, you know i gotta do what i gotta do, and you know you entered the agreement, and that's the way it happens i
3: see okay um now I wanna ask you a question about your home world um how 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 are things i mean rom rom i assume is still the grand negus uh yeah, yeah, yeah I was gonna ask you how things are going with with that
6: Oh, it's 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 good. I, I guess uh, there's a lot of changes going on. Mm-hmm. Like like now we are more inclined to maybe talk about a refund. Mm-hmm. That's happening. Uh, a lot of a lot of females wearing clothes. Mm-hmm. That's 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 going on. And I, I you know I, I went to go renew the the registry on my name. You know like I got to every year. Mm-hmm. And now there's females in there, and that just makes everything you know take longer. Change is hard. Yeah, they're all registering their names now. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Wow. And I don't understand how the females can afford the licensing fees when they haven't been working forever. You know, like where do they get their money from to begin – where do they get their starter kit? That's – I
3: don't know. Yeah. Um, now, now, recently I heard there was an alternate universe or alternate timeline created by the actions of Ambassador Spock and Nero. Do you see any opportunities for profit there?
6: Oh, uh, you, you're talking about like exploring alternate timelines? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done that a few times. Oh, okay. uh, I never have.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, but uh, it, it's interesting because you know you, you want to know how much like uh, what do you, what do you call your money? What do you call what do you call what you call us? Uh, the, the 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 doer the the dollar the the the, the, the dollar. Mm-hmm. You would be surprised how how little the dollar changes from one universe to the next. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look all that different. Oh, okay, that's all pretty much dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a duck on it, but that's yeah. it. <laughs> You know, and people don't really look for the ducks. Interesting.
3: One more question I have for you, Kwan, um, uh, about the rules of acquisition. Now, now I understand for Ferengi, the rules are a sacred text for your people. Yes. Is there one rule in particular that speaks to your heart and, and that, that, that you live by? That just you know, that, that definitely resonates with you.
6: Oh yes, uh, that would be a rule of acquisition number one hundred and nine, mm-hmm. which strictly states. Dignity in an empty sack is worth the sack.
3: <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. Mm-hmm.
6: I remembered when you guys contacted me to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, yeah? No? All right.
3: Oh. Well, I, I'm going to have to do some you know, reading up on that myself. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to introduce uh, and uh, delight to introduce Jared Formby, uh, he played the character Quan at the uh, Star Trek Experience. You could find his work on TrekCast, on the TrekCast podcast, where he will uh, sometimes co-host. And uh, check out his blog, Hey Star Trek, which uh, not only um, talks about Star Trek, but also talks about and deals with current uh, sci-fi genres. Jared, we are delighted to have you on this Sci-Fi Diner podcast.
6: Thank you for having me, and what a, what a wonderful introduction you just uh, articulated there, Miles.
3: Oh, hey, I – I am a big fan of TrekCast. Uh, I'm, I, I enjoy your blog and it's um, – I'm just – it's really cool to finally talk to you now.
6: I like how you go, I'm a fan of the podcast and I enjoy the blog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, cool. I, no. I – been in bed by the way. Oh, listen to this girl. All right. Come <laughs> on.
3: <laughs> Before you, you, you got involved with the uh, Star Trek experience, uh, were you a Star Trek fan and uh, lover of sci-fi be- uh, before you worked with experience, or did that be- uh, become later?
6: Abs- absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, I, I've I've always loved science fiction stuff, mm-hmm. and, and and I've loved Star Trek in particular. Uh, you know, I'm like a lot of people uh, in our eight, in well the age group that that what is it? We just went to the 35 bracket, I guess. You're right. Yeah,
3: uh, <laughs> we. Uh, I'm on the wrong side of uh, 30. Science fiction
6: with Luke Skywalker. And we knew Han Solo was cooler than Luke Skywalker, but we didn't know why he was cooler. Mm-hmm. Of course, dictated my whole ascension into uh, the world of sci-fi. But it was Star Trek that I discovered probably not too much later where I, I loved it more. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even tell you why as a little you know, kid on the playground with the, with the mittens on those strings you know, that come out the sleeves. Right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I couldn't tell you why um, I liked Star Trek more, but I knew I did. And I had a hard time getting other people to to like Star Trek as much as I did. And uh, luckily there was one fella down the street and he liked Star Trek as much as I did. So we were able to kind of grow up as closeted Trekkies Mm -hmm. where the playground would always wanted everybody to be, you know, Star Wars because it was easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The Star Trek, I think now that I'm older, is I think it's because it's more emotional Mm-hmm. I'm an I'm an emotional person. I get caught up in emotion, and Star Trek has just always delivered it so much more. I mean, Star Wars has like one moment I think in it. It's uh, when Obi Wan Kenobi gets cut by Darth Vader in the first one. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 complicated emotion Star Trek can deliver all day long. Mm-hmm. It's so so brilliant. Well, they, they
5: they really are different storylines too. I mean, you they have you, you have you have Star Wars. You have this epic journey of this kid coming of age and you know reconnecting with his father there at the end. But in sure. Star Trek, you have the the consistent stories of of trying to do the right thing and of, and of the relationships that are developing over the I guess it would have been the three seasons at that point, right? Oh, uh, yes. So it would. I mean, it's it's a, they really function in different ways, and so I can
6: understand that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I know now it was the emotional draw. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've always been a Star Trek fan, so there. Cool. And yeah. uh, I actually wrote it on my application, and uh, I didn't know it at the time. But apparently, that was not what you did when you <laughs> went to Star Trek: The Experience. You had to wear the nerd on the inside. You had to have that comm badge hidden because uh, they they wouldn't hire a Star Trek fan.
3: Uh, but but they still hired you.
6: They did. Mm-hmm. They did. I, I guess I gave a really good interview. Yeah, well, that's... Actually, I, I know exactly why they hired me. Um, but I don't know if you want to. Do you want to hear that kind of thing? Sure. Why'd they hire
2: you? Oh, all
6: right. There was, uh three people that were listening to our auditions. And uh, I, audi- I auditioned with a piece from uh, The Complete Works of William Shakespeare, which is a uh, comedy play. There's this uh, sequence in there because the play is doing the entire works of William Shakespeare. And uh, I chose the part where basically I'm doing the uh, abridged history of uh, Shakespeare's life that always opens up a book of the complete works of William Shakespeare. You got a little biography in there. right? So they included that in the play. So I did that. But the, the, the joke or I guess the, the silliness and now I'm looking back going, oh, my God, what was I thinking? The joke is that he mixes up William Shakespeare's life with Adolf Hitler's life. he keeps going back and forth recollecting the wrong facts and uh, I did that for my audition and uh, everyone at the table was ready to just say no we don't need to see you again Mm -hmm. and then um, there was one guy at the table and he was in charge of the alien department which I didn't even know existed and he was like don't pass up on this guy I want him and they basically had to invent this job for me Mm -hmm. oh okay where, uh, because they weren't hiring the aliens, I would have to uh, I would have to learn the ride and do aspects of the ride. And then, if an alien was sick one day, I'd be an alien. Mm-hmm. So they trained me in everything. I was able to do all the performance jobs, but I never did any of them. I only did Ferengi because my Ferengi training ended, an alien left, and it opened up the slot. So it was basically a controversial audition.
3: Wow. wow. So, they cre- so like you said, they created a position for you because they saw something in you.
6: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, you're going to be basically working in the ride, but mostly we want you there with an alien get sick. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay.
3: What, what other jo- what you- uh, job duties job. did you have uh, while you were there?
6: I, uh, I, uh, stepped into, uh, the ride loader, uh, which we called the blue rotation. I did that a few times. And, uh, I think I exited the ride a couple times, the Borg ride and the uh, Klingon ride. Mm-hmm. But uh neither of those jobs required uh as much from my nerdiness as uh the uh, job of being a Ferengi,
3: for sure. Did they Did, was it their choice it, that you be a Ferengi?
6: Uh yes. Mm-hmm. Yes it was. And it was my height. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, here's a fun fact. Uh, the cutoff height for a Ferengi is 5'6". Oh, okay. So uh, if you were taller than that, then you would not qualify for Ferengi. You had to be shorter than that. So that was really fun, was dealing with the idea that that rule handed down from Paramount Licensing somehow escaped so many Star Trek fans mm-hmm. who would be like, you're too tall to be a Ferengi. And then they wouldn't want to see your show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, if you only knew the cutoff! <laughs> there's nowhere they can go to read that. hmm
3: did they give you the freedom to create your character?
6: Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. But everything was uh, was approved and licensed out by uh, management. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there was there was a character uh, lead who helped you build your whole situation, and there was a character trainer who helped you make sure that you know you were building it in the right way with the right uh, information. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Deep Space Nine had ended, so I was able—I had the freedom to build my entire Ferengi in a post-ROM world. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to like adapt myself like many of the older old timers did. I mean, those kinds of changes on Deep Space Nine were revelations. They'd have to go back to work and incorporate it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was current and it was new. Now, I was on board when Voyager was around, but Voyager—you know—you can't really play Voyager changes because it's kind of secret kind of private even the fact that uh, they're in touch with the Federation that's probably not common knowledge you know you got to play it realistically
3: and, and there wasn't that, I mean they did have some they, Ferengi on Voyager I, I recall two episodes where they did so they
6: were, yeah yeah there were two there were two episodes mm-hmm. um, those those initial fellas uh, from
3: false prophets though didn't they stay there uh, I no actually they, they they end up going home uh, they ended
6: up going back
3: yeah they uh, managed to uh, on the weak side, they—they they, yeah, um, they managed. Uh, I, I guess Voyager did open up the wormhole, and um, they managed to escape. And they that, their, their plan wasn't to go back through the wormhole, but they ended up getting through the wormhole, and it closed. And Voyager had to keep on going.
6: All right. So uh, realistically, if I had that information as an alien, mm-hmm. I came across a Voyager fan that mentioned that. I would have to spin it in a way where it was like, okay, I'm a citizen, I'm a Ferengi. Mm -hmm. I heard a rumor about that. I I know that 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 uh, apparently somebody tried to exploit a whole planet by being their god, way over the Delta Quadrant, you know, and they ran into another ship, and I forget the name of it. You Mm -hmm. know, that would be the way you'd have to end that kind of story because everybody knows it's the Voyager. But as a Ferengi citizen. I mean, what do I care about Voyager? Well, I don't even know you mm-hmm. know you know ask me about the the lost marauder you know mm-hmm. ask me about that lost marauder you don't know about because <laughs> I'll, I'll go off you know
3: um, did you have i mean did you have some acting experience uh before you you applied the experience uh, I did mm-hmm. i did
6: I've uh, done a, a lot of uh, community theater I of course did a lot of uh, theater training at the uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And um I also helped my sister open a theater in Albuquerque, New Mexico.
5: Ooh, that's fun. And
6: uh we basically had to play all the parts ourselves to, to near empty houses, but it was still a uh, great and it was a very wonderful experience.
3: Mm-hmm. Um now a lot of your work like the experience, I mean I mean it was I mean if you're if you're dealing with the public, I mean you know, or, or the fans, I mean it was definitely improvisa- improvisational. Um did I mean do the fans keep you on your toes uh when they, they talk to you or um, um Or were you you know be able to you know roll with it?
6: Oh I, I I was I was able to roll just about anything that came at me mm-hmm. for sure. Uh there was there was um maybe two instances where I got in trouble with not in trouble I'm this that's just see, you know, I add a little color there so that you get like excited <laughs> about what I'm gonna say. Right, mm-hmm. right, uh, right uh, What its uh, uh, What is it is <laughs> what it is is uh um, let's see here. Um, there was a Star Trek fan at a convention, and I was so scared. It was the first convention that I'd been to, so I didn't know what to expect from the Star Trek fans. And uh, so I hit the rules of acquisition. I tried to have as many memorized as possible. That went about as well as you know crash, you know crashing for uh, crash studying for an exam. All right. So I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I was there with uh, with some working and some not. And uh I came up on this female uh female uh Trekkie. Um she was wearing uniform and you know, she was she was it's pretty which is kinda of fun. So, you know, you pick out like a pretty one, you could go over there and you know, kinda of talk to her a little bit. And uh she immediately hit me with a rule of acquisition question. Mm-hmm. She's like, Well don't forget rule of acquisition two hundred and twenty three you know <laughs> And I was, and I, you know, you know that scene in uh, Jaws when Roy Schreider sees a shark attack, at the, you know, from the beach? Right. And like the camera moves and like his face <laughs> is big. Yeah, that happened to me. And, uh. That's a cute ringtone, by the way, that you have. Oh, oh, well, I'll let her know you said so. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was she asked for that rule in particular, and I got all defensive and, and uh, you know, kind of. You know, puff my chest out and like, why would I tell you that rule? You're a female and blah, 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 which was kind of a general cover
2: right. that
6: I'd been trained in. And, uh, and she said, beware the man who makes no time for Umox. <laughs> and I guarantee you, I never forgot that rule. That, that was it. That was when I learned it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I've, I've always hoped she would contact me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, another time I got in trouble uh, was another girl. And uh, we were talk- she was talking about Ferengi culture. She was a bit of a nerd, but not overly nerdy. She sort of uh, was being told all of this stuff by her friends while they were all drinking. And it came out that a Ferengi female will chew the male's food for him before he eats it. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, uh, they painted the grimmest, most misogynistic portrait of the Ferengi as a people. Mm-hmm. And then I was the first Ferengi she met after the fact and uh so of course i seeing a game in the conversation decided to uh go ahead and really really rouse her like let's really you know rattle her feathers and defend the misogyny and don't you see why this is more logical that women should be subservient and you know i was like doing that kind of game with her Mm -hmm. and uh, then the food thing came up and and she (laughs) she said are you telling me right now that if I chew this french fry and spit it out, you'll put it in your mouth. Oh, gosh. And uh, by then, I would painted myself into a corner. So uh, I tried to make it so that she wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she did it. Oh. So I couldn't deny the reality of what the character was. So I ended up eating it, which was weird because there's a prosthetic. There's teeth.
2: Right.
6: So what I did was I hurriedly scooped it up, threw it in my mouth. And took off while they all laughed and applauded, and I went and spit it out in the, the makeup <laughs> area. But uh, I couldn't let a female win that. So, yes, I got in trouble. That was how devoted I was to old Quan Kwan and Quan's
3: beliefs and Quan's politics. Yeah, you, you had to suffer for your, for your work. For my times. art. For your art. Yes, your indeed. Art. Now, about the prosthetics, uh, on average, right. how long did it take to, to put them on and uh, and then to remove them, take them off?
6: Well, uh, the, the official word was it took an hour and a half mm-hmm. to do it. Um, there were situations where I had to do it so quickly that I could do it in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But to do it correctly, to do it right, uh, a lot of the Ferengi makeup time is eaten up by your nails drying because you have blue fingernails. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't notice that detail. In fact, it was kind of sad that so few actually did. In fact, I spent so much time a- answering the question, "Why are your fingernails blue?" You know, it wasn't like one time, and it was almost before we closed. Uh, a, a, a girl came out of the casino, walked straight up to me, grabbed my hand, looked at the fingernails, and said, "Oh, and the nails are blue. I love this place," and then left. <laughs> it was it? She looked for that detail. <laughs> it happened once in in eight years of doing it. Everybody else was like, "I didn't know Ferengis had blue fingernails," or. Uh why are your fingernails blue? You know, and then like depending on their level of Star Trek fandom, I mean that would turn into something aggressive or it would turn into something uh like, oh I didn't know that.
3: Now that you say that yeah. I do remember um they did have painted nails. Um, yeah. Because most people think of just all the head pieces, the teeth and the nose, but mm-hmm. um, from a logistical standpoint, I mean you have to paint your nails, you have to give that time.
6: In fact, the fellow who trained me into being at Ferengi um, improvised one time when Star Trek the Experience first opened and used green fingernail polish and licensing pulled the supervisor aside and, pointing out, and pointed out the inconsistency. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they couldn't change it. It was like a big promotion. He was at a stadium in uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't do anything about it. But the licensing guy was like, you need to make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen.
3: I, I get they took those details extremely seriously.
6: They did. They did I, the licensing and the involvement of licensing with Star Trek: The Experience. I'm sure, you know, a number of people who never saw it or saw it and wasn't impressed or whatever their story or relationship is with the experience don't know how aggressive licensing was with us. It was aggressive. It
3: might be similar. I mean, to what I guess other theme parks if they have characters like. I mean, compared to like like something at like Disney or. Um uh, I'm trying to think of something um, – um, the other one escapes me where they have uh, um, looney tunes characters i mean i'm i would sure they probably have similar strict set of rules that you guys probably had to follow too i would think
6: well uh well yeah well uh the the rules from the licensing i mean once your story was approved and you were that alien that was fine mm-hmm. you know they kind of didn't monitor like what you said very closely or your improvisation but they always always were interested in the look mhm for sure. And uh, I don't know if you guys know a character named Three of Six I, 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 at Star Trek The Experience. He was a Borg character. Right. And he was a liberated Borg. hmm And uh, licensing fought our management back and forth on that. The management wanted it really bad. But that's because the management like had, you know, uh, well, we know Star Trek is something we should watch, but we're not watching it kind of attitude. hmm um, and they'd seen photos of Seven of Nine, mm-hmm. you know. They'd seen photos of Borg Queen, and they were like, "We want one of those, right?" Mm-hmm. So immediately, you know, they go to the biggest nerd, hired nerd on staff, which is the character Alien Lead, and they're like, "We want this," and he tells them straight up, "That's impossible." He's like, "I'm sorry, you can't have another Borg walking around. Seven of Nine is a very special case. She's very unique." And we are working within that same universe, and you cannot put a Borg queen out there because her whole job is going to be to destroy the patrons. <laughs> He's a villain. <laughs> you know, this. And then they're like, well, uh, we'd really like to have it. We think it would look really cool. Work something out. So my poor character lead, his homework, he had to go home and figure out ways to justify a liberated Borg situation mm-hmm. uh, to make them happy. And uh, they wanted to be a female. They had that all worked out. And uh, he had to do sketches of what he thought the costume might be. And then uh, they took that whole thing, that whole package down to the set of Enterprise to meet with somebody from licensing. And I guess it was really adorable. The way he told it to me was the, the vice president of Star Trek The Experience basically shakes the lady's hand and goes, yeah, hello, uh, I'm so-and-so from Star Trek The Experience, and uh, we're thinking we'd like to have a female board character. Right then, my lead busts out the sketch to show. She doesn't look at the sketch. She goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So so they finally got three of six through. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a long teeth-pulling ordeal, for sure.
2: Now, and he uh,
6: did a fantastic job with the role, by the way. So, Just letting you so, know. So he, he have- was... It was okay. just maybe was done a little, little differently. He did a great job.
3: Was he in was full he in Borg, uh, Borg prosthetics? prosthetics?
6: He was, and and you know what? He actually did. He was rocking at first the original makeup, like the the Q Who makeup, mm-hmm. the best of both world style makeup. You know, with the pale face and the thing glued over his eye. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was the original look for him, and it was fantastic. He looked so cool, but uh, truthfully. I mean, you know that the guy who, who plays a Borg goes, they glue the thing to his face, he shoots for that day, maybe he comes back the next day and does some more, then he goes home forever. Our guy, he couldn't do that. He right. had to come back the next day. So they had to modify the makeup to become more of a uh, mask. And uh, so it became more like the first contact style Borg, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Westmore's Creature Shop made all that stuff for us. They made our masks. Michael Westmore made all that stuff for us, and he also made three of six.
3: Yeah, I, I, the more you talk about the experience, I, I sorry I missed out on that. Um, I'm hoping that they uh, they manage to, re- to reopen one yep. again someday.
6: There are rumors that uh, something might be happening with that with that space. I mean, not not the same space, but uh, at least the uh,
3: the museum, all of
6: the artifacts, um, the concept. Mm-hmm. I think that that's all being discussed with CBS right now.
3: We uh, we had the um, the expedition the, yeah it was the exhibit that was in Philadelphia back in September. Sure, it was a slice of it. It was it was cool. I mean they they had a full mock up of the TNG bridge there. I
6: would call it full. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm I tease. I gently tease the exhibition, <laughs> but uh, I mean I saw it in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, we rocked all. I'm sorry, we rocked it. We rocked all
3: over those guys. Oh, I, I know it's nothing compared to what, what you guys had before, but uh, it, you know it was closest thing. Um, and they had a, a Captain Kirk chair uh, you could sit in and get pictures. But the, the thing was you couldn't take pictures yeah. yourself. It had to be one of their employees take a picture, and then you pay 10 bucks or whatever for the picture if you wanted to have have Oh, yourself.
6: man. This is why, you, you gentlemen, never, ever underestimate, maybe this is a little bit of uh, Ferengi logic, mm-hmm. going in 15 minutes before they close.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> because you love Star Trek stuff, and you'll know that it's all props and whatever. Mm-hmm. You bust out your camera then when, like, everybody's waiting to go home. Yeah, watch, watch the rules slide. Right. That I'm not saying that happened. Just, uh, there's a logic to it, though. Right now, that was taken there. I'm kidding. Um,
5: <laughs> well, didn't uh, Didn't Kevin Dillmore and Dayton Ward said that they did that? They went into one of the uh, – it was some place that there was a bridge that they just had fun playing. They let them snap pictures
3: and all that. Yeah, it, I was think like it was an exhibition – Maybe the Hollywood one, but they actually had a a, a I don't want to say a full size mockup, but a close to a full size mockup of the original series bridge.
6: Uh, oh, see now, I want to see that. I've did, heard that's did, flying around. There's a picture. I want to see that if you,
3: one. If you, if you, if you look at the uh, subspace uh, communicate archives, there's a picture of them uh, sitting in there. Uh, Dayton Ward is in the captain's chair, and uh, um, Kevin Dillmore is in the uh, I believe it's the Checkoff chair.
6: Uh, yeah but but i mean as much as i want to be dayton ward i'm not i <laughs> right. want to do that i want to
3: <laughs>
6: yeah
3: uh, well I, this one you have to sit in a chair i mean it was no there was no bridge mock-up they had a green screen behind you so
6: oh, oh i see i see what you mean yeah. oh they had, that for the, they had that in hollywood yeah but i heard that like it's split into two pieces and somebody actually has an original series mock-up is that not true Oh man, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that either. Yeah, I heard there was like one giant thing called Star Trek the Tour, and then it split in half, and so like Hollywood's got this one part of it, and then like the other parts in Detroit. That's what I heard.
3: Okay. Mm. Well, maybe it'll filter down here. Oh, that, that'd, that'd be nice if it did. Um, I'm sorry. Go on. I was saying it'd be nice if that one you're talking about would would would, would make it make it in our neck of the woods. Uh I mean the the yeah. the exhibit was nice but it was, you know, there wasn't that much there. I mean it had a lot of costumes. They had um on display pr- props. Yeah. And
6: um you know what I really wanted to do was climb into that uh that command chair from Nemesis. <laughs> that okay. weird thing that Sean sat in <laughs> I mean it Oh was, yeah.
3: Now they did have a full so size, awesome. They had a full-size up of the Scorpion fighter there though. So yeah, but you couldn't. I mean, it was kind of elevated, so you couldn't like get up there and and look inside or whatever. But but that that was still pretty cool. Um, Yeah,
6: but I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to downplay Star Trek: The Exhibition at all. Please go if you haven't been, you gotta go. Just you know what we had was just a little more, a little different. No, I'm sure. I mean, I was able to. I was able to propose to uh, my wife on uh, the on the bridge of the Enterprise D. How cool that's is that? That's fantastic. I mean, that's just a, that's just a life choice
5: mm-hmm.
6: and that's uh, something that can happen. And it was awesome.
5: Well, now we hope in you saying that, that she's as much of a Trekkie as you are.
6: Oh, well, <laughs> I think that she loves, uh, she loves the deep space nine. Okay. Good. I'm pretty sure she does. Yeah, <laughs> she does. She has to. <laughs> yeah.
3: My my wife saw the Star Trek movie with me. Uh, we actually got to see it at the IMAX, uh, at the exhibit and, um, First, I was just glad she wasn't, you know, ashamed to be married to me afterwards. But she kind of had a thing for Chris Pine after uh, seeing it, though. So, so at that's, least see, that,
6: that's why everything is about Chris Pine. Chris Pine is is the future of Star Trek. He yes, probably
3: is. Uh, so at least I, I, I'm, I'll have no problem getting her to go with me to see the second one when it comes out.
6: Oh yeah, I'm excited about the second one. Mm-hmm. I'm just so glad that like now they got the band back together, so now we can just see them rock it out. Right. That's my only real complaint about the new Star Trek movie is it's just like it feels like the first part, you know?
3: Right. We have to wait. I just want to see years. the next
6: part. That's what I really want.
5: You know, it was kind of it was it was really cool though to kind of see them introduce the characters getting together.
6: Oh no, I loved it. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It's yeah. just that I resented that it ended. <laughs> <laughs> You wanted, you, I was like, okay, great. Now everybody's there, so let's do some more story.
5: Right, right. You wanted it to be another Lord of the Rings which was like three or four hours long. Don't we deserve a Lord of the Rings? We do. Okay.
3: <laughs> now, if we would get Star Trek back on the small screen again, would you like to see something in that universe or, or or something in the Prime universe? I'm sorry, what was the question? If if we get Star Trek to come back on the small screen on TV again, should they, do you think they should maybe do something in, in this new universe or – Maybe do something in the Prime Universe.
6: Well, uh, let, let me put let me put it this way: um, there are things that we love from our Prime Universe, right? Mm-hmm. We love uh, Data, we love Picard, we love Ben Cisco, we love Janeway. You know, we love these things. We love them so much. Now, if you look at what the Star Trek model was with Bad Robot and Kurtzman and, and Orsi, the whole idea was getting others to love it too and they succeeded so it seems to me that it'd be really awesome to just go ahead and do a next generation in that universe get a new Picard get a new data tell those kinds of stories, I think that would be really fun I think it'd be really fun to go into that knowing what it was before and seeing what they do to make it more accessible maybe like an Ultimates comic book but I, I... I wouldn't mind that Mm -hmm. because uh, as far as I – I mean you can read my work. Um, I believe that the further away you get from the original model of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, the stranger and more derivative and the more nerdy in referencing Star Trek becomes. So it's like no, the, 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 no. You don't want a new captain. You don't want to go forward with something else and something new and just learn all the same characters again. You want to bring it back. You want to bring it closer, and then tell awesome stories because there's still tor- they're, they're, they would still be stories about Picard. They would still be stories about Cisco. They would be stories. They would be new stories because it was a new universe, hmm. which gives us uh, the opportunity to see how Cisco might respond. In a similar situation, but it's not the same situation, and it's just more of that character. Well, it's not really the same
5: Picard either, or the same exactly. Cisco. So, exactly. you know, the ability to to tweak them and give them uh, close enough mannerisms that we know that they, who they are, but exactly, but they but they can be different enough that they can maybe have different flaws and uh, mm-hmm. uh, different things that make these characters interesting and fascinating to watch.
6: That's what I'm saying, and maybe like in a. You know, Abrams' universe, uh, Deep Space Nine, Cisco actually gets Bajor to join the Federation. Maybe that happens. You know, there there can be differences in the story where we, as Star Trek fans, will have a deeper appreciation for it than somebody who doesn't have that. But at the same time, they're going to love it too because it's great storytelling. Mm. That's all. Yeah. That's what I think.
3: Yeah, never. I mean, I've I've asked that question a few times. If we get Star Trek back on TV again. Where they, where they like to see it go, and I uh, I haven't heard you know your take on it. That's, that's interesting. Well, what do you think? Um, I I would like to see something in, in the Abrams universe um, myself. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what time period necessarily, but um, I I kind of think. I mean, I love the Prime Universe as much as you know any, any Star Trek fan does, but um,
6: absolutely mad respect for the Prime Universe. Mm-hmm. But Star Trek is. Going in a different direction now,
3: but 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 there's but now that they've they created this new universe, there's new stories they can tell and things are going to unfold differently. Um, so so yeah, some, something in the in the Abrams universe. Either I like the idea of there, there's there's like 25 years before Kirk's father dies till you know you know Kirk gets on the Enterprise. There's some you know interesting they could explore something maybe in that time period. Um. M- maybe there was another Enterprise. Um, maybe Captain P- Captain Pike's for Enterprise or something like that. Uh,
6: Don't yeah, But um. But that's the other thing is 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 uh, the thing about Star Trek and and what makes it so awesome and what makes it so great is that there are certain people. I mean. Oh, goodness. I'm sorry. This is really – if you like what I'm saying, please find me at heystartrek.com because you can read these <laughs> kinds of thoughts. But um, what I'm saying is is that uh, there are certain people that that have a heroic destiny, and that is James Kirk. That is Jean-Luc Picard. That is Ben Sisko, and that is uh, Catherine Janeway. And, and to add another name to that list begins to negate or lessen – all of their contributions. So I'm saying that we already have five rockin' characters. Mm-hmm. So we need to continue to rock them out. We need to see Janeway's uh, other Jane- approaches Janeway takes when she doesn't have the Federation there. We got to see other choices that Ben Cisco makes. You know, we got to see that kind of thing to invent a new captain. Uh, it just it, it would lessen all of their accomplishments. I'd just rather see the the the, the same people readdressed because there's too many captains already. Play Star Trek Online. There's too many captains. <laughs> Have you been playing Star Trek Online? Yes, and I love it. And it's awful. And, <laughs> and uh, and it's not a good marriage for uh, me and in, in my life because it's basically ah, I don't really need to do anything responsible. I could <laughs> try to kill the Gorn. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I killed the corn. Oh, my gosh. My cat so doesn't care. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved it. I had so much fun with it. I'm still debating if I can buy it or not. Right. And I'm trying to make deals with myself. Well, you know, so I wake up in the morning. I uh, read a chapter of a book. I uh, do something productive, like clean something. And then I play Star Trek Online for four hours, you know? (laughs)
2: Right.
6: Oh, I'm trying man. to figure out if I can make that happen. But if I can't figure out that logic, I might have to let it go. I just loved it too much. Yo, did you guys play? Did you like it? Uh,
3: I, Miles? I, 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 every time I try to, I do, I do have a beta key, but I, every time I try, I, I'm, I'm unable to. So I haven't had oh. a chance.
6: Oh, that's sad. You had a beta key and couldn't get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a beta key. i tried to get the beta key because I was like, okay, fine, I'm going to play it. And uh, I tried to get the beta key and it was all these weird contests like, you know, if you are like sign up for this and then you uh, go on Twitter and you say this and then you join this list and then you at tweet this person, then we give you a beta key. And I was like, what? (laughs) I didn't understand all your instructions. So I kept (laughs) looking for like a really easy way to get a beta key. And I finally just ended up tweeting. I want a beta key. (laughs) <laughs> and I got a few offers from uh, people who listen to Trekcast, which I was all excited about. I was like, "Oh my god, thank you, you guys!"
3: So
6: I did, <laughs> but Miles, you had a beta key and you couldn't get in.
3: No, I can't. Scott Scott got got the beta key, gave yeah, to me. I got
5: it, and then I for me, I was I, I was in the the closed beta, and I logged in a few times, but. At closed beta was so finicky because anytime you logged in, they had downloaded like an hour patch and that was, typically, yeah. that, that was typically the hour that I had to play. And
6: Oh, I read that. I and, read so, that.
5: and so I said, Miles, here, you can have it because I'm not going to play this thing. I'm not going to Oh, yeah,
6: I, I totally
5: see that. Yeah, and, that, so- and, man, I agree with you, though. I played World of Warcraft for four years. I know how that can consume your life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, and in, in, in I quit the, I guess, May of this past year playing playing the MMO, but I just I, I just quit. could it's I like quitting
6: smoking. You're like, Oh my god, I quit. I did. No noft no, no, for me. No, I, I quit. <laughs>
5: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of World of Warcraft or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it, 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 it hey,
6: is hey, are you playing World of Warcraft in here? Don't you know I quit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Be sensitive, man. Be sensitive. Yeah, could you just like be understanding? <laughs> oh that's it's,
5: it's insidious. It is. It is. It, you know, and I think the thing about those games is you, you get to you get into a character, and they give you the sense of of accomplishment. They do.
6: And and it cryptics it, it, really it, it, get on your skin with that. I was, I was oh, like man. a level five lieutenant, and then they shut it down today, and I was like,
3: oh, I want to go forward.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So is it is it shut down until it comes out? Yes. And, and, and now comes, it's uh, up
6: to everybody to pre-order so they can get in there in front of everybody else and play for a few days on their own. Right. And then they make it worldwide on February 2nd. Yeah, that's what I
5: thought. I thought that it uh February 2nd was the date for it.
6: Yes, it is. But uh everybody who pre-orders gets to play on the 29th.
5: Ooh, so are you going to go pre-order?
6: Oh, yeah. oh, you know what? I I've been I've been thinking about it and <laughs> like I looked at it and I'm like, "Oh my god. I like fantasize cuz you know they give away <laughs> all these gifts for whoever you buy it from. Right. So it's like, ooh, if I buy from them, I'm going to get like a Constitution class starship.
2: Right. Ooh, if
6: I buy from them, I'm going to get Deep Space Nine uniform. You know, it's like, ooh, well, who do I want to buy it from now? Which prize do I like the most? <laughs> right. You know, and I don't remember the Atari prizes, but it seemed like they had the the coolest ones, like the Hey Star Trek style prizes, the ones that you know where we're cool and we get that you love this, but we know that this is a really odd cool thing that you know nobody else really cares about, but you do because you're Jared. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that package was tailored to me, but I can't remember right now exactly what they offered, but I was like, okay, Atari's the way to go. But you were you were impressed with the universe that you played in
5: then. The way they did it, the the gameplay, this game, if you would buy it, would hook you.
6: It would. It would. Uh this is an interesting thing for me, is that uh uh I write this blog for Trekcast.com called Hey Star Trek, which I know you mentioned, Miles, and thank you for that. Um my last issue of it has been the most unpopular issue. It's the strangest issue. And and all I do in this issue of the blog, and you can find it at TrekCast.com, is I pretend to play Star Trek Online. Like, I'm just playing my own imagination and what I think is going to suck about it. And um, now that I've played it, it's like so – I mean I see – that my point of view made sense, but I didn't get it. I didn't get what MMORPG was. Right. I just assumed, wow, it's Star Trek with nothing. It's Star Trek with uh, just battles and things. But I had this awesome scene where I was able to go to Quarks, hang out with somebody and just make up all kinds of business about what it was like in Starfleet Academy and how that all happened, you know, and, and what formed me as the commander, which is kind of the stuff I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, they let you do that.
5: This you know, is really really they, fun, and they do have the sto- They have the storyline, and it, this does uh, that that you follow as well. In, yes, in it, and so this has to play in. I mean, not to bring this back to the experience, but this is not all that different from acting in the experience. I mean, you are no. a, you're acting in a virtual war world
6: here. It it is it is very very true, and and you know that's that's a component I miss in my life, and I mean uh, I was with the internet when in the nineties, when it was first, before it had pictures, I was there and they had something very similar. And, uh, one of those games, they were called muds or mushes in in those
2: days. Right.
6: Um, I I was playing the hell out of a few of those and those were so time consuming and so consuming of myself that lightning finally struck and freed me from having to play because (laughs) my modem got fried. Oh, nice. I was able to finally walk away. And I don't know, if I ever would have walked away, it's quite possible I'd be a, a I'd be an alternate. I'd, I would be the Chris Pine Jared. <laughs> that would be it, you know? I'd be some other guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> similar but different. Yeah,
3: I never played the MMOs, but I, I, there were other Star Trek games I liked. Um, Elite Force One and Two. I don't know if you ever tried those.
6: Oh yeah, I've, I've seen Elite Force, mm-hmm. but it just made me think of Half Life. Mm-hmm. Did you ever
3: play The Fallen? No, I haven't played that. That's a D Space Nine game.
6: Yes, it's a deep space nine game. Okay. Fantastic. The only thing that's missing is Avery Brooks's voice. Oh, uh, okay. Gosh, out. it was Avery, that that game would be I'd still be playing it right now.
3: Well on, on Elite Force they do have the uh the voices from the the cast of Voyager on uh, on there. I I'm really
6: you know, I'm really glad that, that Kate Mulgrew lended her time to it particularly. You know, it's really good to get the captain. You know, the captain <clears throat> Well, like Pat- I played the fall and I got Kira, mm-hmm. but it's just Kira. I mean, I'm I'm glad not a visitor, but
3: but you really want the captain. Sure. Well, and Patrick Stewart did lend his voice for Elite Force too. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just like that. And you know
6: what? In Avery Brooks's uh, in you know, Avery Brooks' discussion, I'm fairly certain that either he didn't have the time, or they didn't know how to reach him, or they were afraid to convince him. Because mm. I'm pretty sure Avery Brooks does that kind of thing all the time. And uh, it would have
3: been for charity. He probably wouldn't have pocketed a dime mm-hmm. from what I know of him anyway. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about TrekCast and, and, and your and your blog. Um, sure. How, how did you get hooked up with uh, TrekCast?
6: Um, Darren and David contacted me for an interview with Quan mm-hmm. and it discussed my experiences at, at uh, Star Trek. And I agreed. I had nothing going on, so I went on the podcast. And uh, I had a lot of fun. And then it was over, and I was like, "Oh, that was that was an odd, strange thing." And it, I'd never heard of podcasting before, and I was like, "Okay, whatever." And I listened to the result, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that was that was cool." And then, uh, like a month later, Darren calls me and says, "Listen, I'm talking to David Ivy from Trekcast, and uh, we want to generate content for the webpage. And what we need is a blog, and we would like you to write it. Are you interested?" and i i agreed right away but i didn't know what a blog was at the time <laughs> and i said yeah i'll write that and uh, i didn't even research it i just started writing the blog because there's all these things in star trek that i'm not saying that i'm a nitpicker but it's kind of like a what and uh like uh changing the romulan makeup mm-hmm. what went on with that why did they do that so i wrote about that you know like challenging star trek and that kind of informed what I would call the blog, like, hey, Star Trek, why is it like this? Why is it like that? Hey, Star Trek, answer me, you know? Hmm. And then uh, after writing uh, my initial entries, I realized, you know what? I can, hey, Star Trek, everything else because it's like, hey, Star Trek, what did you think of Watchmen? You know,
2: right.
6: and Watchmen, the movie. And uh, so it just kind of spun out from there, and I've explored all kinds of different topics that that fascinate me and and give me pause and make me wonder. But I do try to keep uh, a lot of the issues Star Trek. I like delving into Star Trek. I like questioning Star Trek. One one thing that – I don't know how you guys feel about this, but it kind of drives me a little crazy as a Trekkie to run into Trekkies in their uniforms who are wearing their weapons – that bothers me because I'm just like, what, 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 who, what, why, why, what, where do you think you are that you're going to might need your weapon? <laughs> no, Star Trek, like it's a handshake. It's meeting people first and then, oh, fuck, we got to go get the, I'm sorry. Oh, crap. Yep. <laughs> I'll beep it yeah. out. And we'll, we'll, we'll be back with our weapons now because we thought it was going to be friendly here and it's not, you know, you, you don't go down to the planet with your weapon on. Yeah, that, that drives me crazy, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's that's why I say I'm uniquely suited to write about Star Trek because I got a lot of strange opinions. And even if you don't agree with me, and I'm hoping you don't, or I'd like it if you do, and let me know if you do. Um, you know that uh, you'll you'll think of Star Trek in a different way, or you'll see some new aspect of it that you hadn't weighed before, because I love Star Trek first.
3: And you also talk about other genre sci-fi in your in in your blog sometimes too. I, I do. Noticed. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't done
6: Lost yet. I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I'm not sure how to approach it yet, but uh, there's going to be an epic Lost post. I'm hoping before the new season begins. What do you guys think of Lost?
5: Have you, have, well, uh, have you have you watched all the seasons? I have. You have. Okay. I, I will admit that I've gotten through the first four episodes of season one. Whoa. Yeah. See, and I I, I, agree. I think. Yeah, I think for me, so so I have the entire series to explore eventually. Um, yes, you do. But uh, man, I, there's been so much else in, in going on in the sci-fi world that I guess I just haven't made time uh, for Lost at this point. Now I'm a huge, I'm a huge Fringe fan.
6: Oh uh, God, Fringe!
5: Uh, it's, yes. it's, it's phenomenal. I'd say. I fringe think it's, is amazing. I, I think it's one of the best. I think it's one of the best sci-fi written shows on television at this point.
6: It's it's not only one of the best sci-fi written shows, but it's one of the few times that they've actually brought us a new Mulder Scully, a new Kirk Spock McCoy. I mean, those characters are so good with each other. Yes. It's it's sick. The, the chemistry between them is sick. It's so good.
2: <laughs> yeah.
5: You know, and so I, I love Abrams, and I just have it, but I just – haven't made the time to get into lost, I guess, to, is the long and the short of it. I know that I have many friends that say, You don't know what you're missing. And I just uh, I said, yeah, I know, but uh, I have a two year old and an eight year old and a, and a wife I got to spend time with. Oh. So, yeah, you
6: know, I see where lost might, like, you know, not a priority. Yeah, no, no. Good job quitting, wow, for their sake.
5: Yeah, well, <laughs> Yeah, probably for my sake, too. <laughs> 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 oh, what man.
6: Oh well, he's like a level five knight, and, uh, <laughs> right. and I guess he just burned this village to the ground. He was really proud of it.
5: Right, right. See, that's right. The kind of, just so I'm a level eighty knight, elf, bohawk.
6: Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you i know, like going to like a, like a, a parent day at the school and be like, "Oh well, hello everyone. I'm a level eighty knight." Nice, <laughs> nice. You know, no, no, can't do that.
3: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I, I haven't take, taken on watching uh, Lost yet either, but I know people that have the DVDs. So uh, so you have the opportunity. I'll have the opportunity, but I, I, I am you, watching. You to,
6: if, if, if you could do it before it begins, that would be prime because you, watching Lost week to week is one of the coolest things about it because the thing is constructed with such great cliffhangers. You're like, what? <laughs> if you want to throw things at the screen. It leaves you in awesome places. Let's well, wait. Mean- come back.
3: Right. That's what Battlestar Galactica did for me when it was on. Um, we we're mad at it after it was over.
6: Um, yeah, how did you guys feel about the whole Carith race thing? A little
3: unsatisfying.
6: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Nah, but, you know what? I did. I, we we talked about this.
5: I guess it was almost you know a little little under a year ago that it mm-hmm. ended, and I, I I liked the ending. I, I agree that there was some stuff that was a bit unsatisfying about it, but I I, I liked it. I thought that it was a good tribute i like the way they brought it back to modern society potentially mm-hmm. you know giving birth to the cylons again and sure and um i don't know we we uh, are you watching did you watch the pilot of caprica at all i did yeah. i watched it when it came to dvd it, yeah they really edited it for sci-fi that's for sure oh but, did they oh,
3: yeah. well none of the nudities there or anything like that yes. oh, okay and some of the I uh, guess. the little more graphic violence is toned down a little bit um oh. but uh
6: so Basically, they're like watching Caprica with one eye closed. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> that's a good
5: analogy. I like that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this series. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the – one of the things I appreciate about Battlestar, and we've talked about this before, is that they bring up all these issues, but they don't necessarily give you an answer. They let you kind of figure it out or come to your own conclusions, and
3: I love that about a show. For sure. It looks like Caprica's going to do the same thing. No, we, hope. Mm-hmm. we hope. You
6: know what? Caprica is actually a lot – it comes from a harder science fiction place than Battlestar ever thought of. I mean, I, I looked at that, I was like, "Wow, this is actually science fiction. This isn't people with guns in space. This is you're getting into some heady stuff here." This girl is uh, going to be the first Cylon. You yeah, know what I mean? Right? And like her brain and the person who created it, and there's a lot going on in that that already more sci-fi than Battlestar ever was.
3: Hmm. Um, at our we don't have many great conventions in our area, but we, we but the ones we do, um, the, the, the shore leave. There's one called shore leave. It's going to be held in Baltimore, Maryland, in um, July. Uh, we, we are going to get uh, Katie Sackhoff and uh, uh, Edward James Alamos to to guest there. They'll probably be the 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 the, headliner, the headliners. Yeah. That's,
6: yeah. that's and, Hey, if if I send you a copy of the Holy Bible, can you have Katie Sackhoff sign it for me? <laughs> or is that too weird? You know, she probably do that. <laughs> I, I just, I'm sorry, I have a huge problem with the, the way they wrote that character out. Oh yeah, like, oh, I see. This is all a big trick. Yeah, she's an angel. But I liked the rest, just
3: not her ending. Yeah, the first. I mean, the first half when they go to the colony and and take it out, I thought it was amazing. Um, and then them getting to Earth, you know, well, they just re- sort of rename this planet Earth. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah. Katie Sackhoff's character I thought well at the end I mean it was just very they didn't explain a lot um she just poof she's gone and um the the Baltar six angels later they didn't you know um I liked kind of how they weaved the thing in, in the opera house uh-huh during, during the battle scene that was good that was very yeah but um I don't know. Just that part. Just I guess it was the only way they could end it. As far as you know, they they they, they were one hundred fifty thousand years from our time, and then kind of got oh, assimilated. But,
6: but I didn't mind that aspect. The part that I hated was, I mean, it's like a friend of mine says, "I want to watch Battlestar Galactic again from beginning to end," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Sounds like a great idea," but it's not going to change the fact that the last year you're going to be watching a ghost mm-hmm. in the role of your favorite character. And she's like. No, maybe I missed something, and I'm like, "You didn't miss anything." <laughs> no, 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 no. She, she will be a ghost.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I agree. We, we um, uh, we, we actually interviewed Richard Hatch over the summer, and uh, nice. And uh, he's a cool guy. If you ever go to a convention and uh, he's there, definitely try to meet meet him. He's just a really cool guy. But I read that. Uh, he, he said um, there are things he liked about it, things he, you know. He didn't like about it, um, you know. He didn't like them um, all separating. He thought, you know, there's only thirty thousand of them. Maybe it'd be better for them to stick together to survive uh, mm-hmm. for their own survival. But um,
6: but then Galen can't run off and make Ireland.
3: Yeah, he can't make Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 was kind of cool. But uh, um, and we asked him about you know, was he satisfied with the way his character sort of. Uh, um, well, ended, I guess. And he, he said yes, yes, and no.
6: Were you happy with the execution of your character? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. I'm kidding. No, I, I was that's a
3: joke, right? Well, well yeah, exactly. And um, I, I guess he had some. Uh, I guess he wanted to see a little more happen there, but um, but at least he saw saw closure with. His, he, he was one of the fortunate ones to see some some closure with uh, his character. I mean
6: i thought it was a good end for that it was a good uh, that and uh and uh the guy with one leg <laughs> i'm sorry oh
3: um gator gator yeah
6: gator yeah yeah i thought that was all good i enjoyed all that
3: stuff mm-hmm. yeah, we had, just, yeah we had to have one more revolution we had yeah. to Th- have one more revolution thanks a lot for uh for hanging out with us tonight
6: thank you guys this is fun i i i enjoy uh speaking to nerds about nerdy things <laughs>
2: well uh,
6: let me just say again that uh well, I wanted to say this at least before I go that the 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 Hey Star Trek universe is like uh, multimedia. Mm-hmm. There is uh there's audio which you can hear on Trekcast.com. There is the blog, which is at Trekcast.com, and uh, there's a YouTube account, which is YouTube.com/slash Hey Star Trek one word, and that's where you can see my thoughts on something like uh, how to watch Avatar without punching your own face. <laughs> <Things> like <that. laughs> So, so, so you liked Avatar, or did you punch your own face? Um, you know what? I love Avatar up until they have sex, and then <laughs> that whole movie like completely takes a one eighty for me. I'm like, really? The humans are really that wrong? The humans are really that evil? What? Why don't they just break in a song? It's like it's just so black and white, <laughs> and that, it's crazy. Yeah,
2: well. So, uh,
6: my suggestion to people is: if you watch Avatar, go ahead and watch it, love it, enjoy it. Then they'll have sex. Then just start watching like the humans are right. Different movie.
3: <laughs> I heard this movie compared to Dances with Wolves on Another Planet. In space. In space, yeah.
6: Pocahontas in space. Yeah. Yeah.
5: You name it. Well, yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us. And uh, we are going to have to have you back on the show to comment on, I don't know, anything we want you to comment on. Welcome back to the Sci Fi Diner Podcast. Uh, Jared is still with us. We just can't get rid of the guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, but he's yeah. <laughs> he is uh he's here with us and he is gonna give us oh his sci-fi five and
6: five. And Jared, what is our topic tonight? I, I wanna talk about my favorite uh sci fi moments in motion pictures. There you go. Okay, well go ahead. All right. Uh so do you go from five to one or one to five? Hey, I
5: guess five to one. It's up to you. It's
6: up to you. Oh, I, oh, it's my own thing. I so, just so I
5: start at three, go to four, right. then two. It's and like five. riding
6: in the snow. I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All okay, right. Okay. Um, okay. I gotta say, uh, um, Sigourney Weaver in the machine uh, and saying "Get away from her, you you know, bitch" uh, is Aliens. one of my favorite sci-fi moments of all time. Uh, another favorite sci-fi moment of mine, which I guess would be number four, would be uh, Rada Mitchell trying to control that ship crashing in p- pitch black. That's a fantastic crash sequence in pitch black. Okay. And I love that it's Roda Mitchell, the girl from high art who's flying a spaceship. And I'm sorry, David Tui is a brilliant man for even thinking of that. I'm going to have the girl from high art fly a spaceship. Brilliant. Brilliant. Nice. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm on number three, uh, opening the hatch in Lost is a big deal for me. I thought that was a fantastic cliffhanger. And unlike any number of souls, I was not disappointed by what was underneath. But when that hatch blew open, my, my heart literally skipped a beat. Um, I'm going to get another one of James Cameron for uh, Terminator 2, when Arnold Schwarzenegger is chasing down Edward Furlong uh, in the uh, canals. And he uh, does this thing where he like, can flip the shotgun and reload it or whatever he's doing with that fantastic sound effect. Nice. And he goes between shooting the fence and shooting at the semi. Shoot the fence, shoot the semi. Love that moment. Love that. And uh, golly, for my last favorite, uh, greatest star, uh, sci-fi moments, um, I'm going to go with the, uh, Kirk of, uh, the death of Spock. Oh, cool. The death of Spock is one of my all-time favorite, greatest moments ever. Talk about an, cinema. Talk about an emotional and, scene. Yes, and and and, and the, the, the 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 true brilliance of it, which which occurred to me when I watched it later, older, and I already had it memorized, but I didn't even realize that you're watching the whole thing inter interspliced with the birth of the Genesis planet, and James Horner's music, and the silence of Kirk just trying to get down there fast enough. It's fantastic. I mean, it's it's emotional. It's Totally musical, emotional manipulation, but once he gets to the glass, the music is gone, and that just goes between those characters in silence, and that silence is harrowing, and it supports their performances nonstop all day long, and I love that.
5: Well thanks Jared for giving us those Sci-Fi 5 in 5. If you want to give us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, we actually have another Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Should we play that one as well? Sure, well, let's let's play. Hey, it. let's just knock it out. We have a Sci-Fi 5 and 5 from Kevin Batch Elder, who does a podcast called Tuning In to Sci-Fi TV as well as uh the Seeker podcast, uh, uh what other scapecast he does um the 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 Signal signal podcast he all these different podcasts. i'm probably missing one in there kevin don't hate me Um, but he's doing he gave us his top sci-fi five and five and we're going to play it here and let me tell you uh it's really good it talks about the the top five most sci-fi most overlooked sci-fi tv shows so take it away kevin
4: hey miles and scott and my fellow uh, sci-fi diner listeners this is kevin batchelder wanted to give you a uh sci-fi five and five this one to talk about uh Five overlooked TV shows Uh, for different reasons, and I'm not saying these are the five best or the most overlooked, just five that you may or may not have heard of that are certainly worth a look, in my opinion, especially if you're someone who's an aficionado and likes to try different series that aren't, uh, shall we say, mainstream, which is what I think is the case with many of these shows. Uh, Let me start out with the first one, a series I really love called Charlie Jade. Uh, This was a series done uh, in Canada and South Africa collaboration type deal. It uh, ran up there in Canada, but also ran on the Sci-Fi Channel here in the U.S., but it's not on Region 1 DVD, so you really have to work hard if you want to watch this show. Uh, Region 2 DVD and maybe some other alternative sources, but uh, 20 episodes, it's very unique in the sense that it's uh, what I would call a novel for television. It's a story, a bit of a mystery that plays out over those 20 episodes, so it's a self-contained story, uh, but this is one of those rare shows where there's very little action. It's more of a thinking man's Show You have to be paying close attention all the time. And you've also got some scenery and visuals as well as music that make this very much of a rich experience. Highly recommended, Great series and, and a nice sci-fi story. Another show I'd recommend would be The Dresden Files. Uh, ran on the Sci-Fi Channel a couple years ago. Got axed pretty quickly. Not a great series, but a good series. Something you can have some fun with. I enjoyed the, the actors and the characters that were in this story. It's too bad it didn't get some more air time because it, it was really enjoyable that way. Next I would mention is a series called Blade, the series. Uh, visibility, not many folks knew about this show because it ran on Spike TV here in the U.S., but uh it, it was pretty good, actually, surprisingly good. I thought it wouldn't be too good or ripping off the movies too much, but it is it is based on the movie idea, Um but it had some pretty good stories, uh, an arc that ran throughout the entire season, so it, it was enjoyable. I, I think it's worth a look. Another one that I put very high on this list would be Blood Ties. Similar to Blade, and then it ran on the wrong network, so it only lasted a single season. It was on the Lifetime channel here in the U.S., based on a series of books by Tanya Huff, it has to do with uh, investigator uh, Vicki Nelson. This is one where there's some great chemistry between the lead actors in this show, uh, and there's a whole three or four of them that uh, weave throughout the series. Excellent stories, very well done, very well acted, uh, lots of fun stuff in there, so it's definitely worth a look. And finally, another show that, again, ran the wrong network uh, was called The Middleman. Uh, this was on the ABC Family Channel. This show has just a ton of genre references and inside jokes, uh, a lot of comic book references, uh, very different, talking about someone who's a very straight-laced, uh, almost a superhero, you could say, and his sidekick, if you will, it helps him take care of things laughed out loud at lots and lots of these episodes. I think it's a fairly short run with maybe 13 episodes. There are many other great sci-fi shows, as we all know, but I think those are some you might want to take a look. I think with the exception of Charlie Jade, all of them are on Netflix. So you can try maybe the first disc, the first few episodes, and see if you think it's something you might want to take a look closer at. So take care, gang. Yeah.
5: Thanks, Kevin, again for giving us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5. If you want to give us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5 and you're listening to this show, please, please, Email them to us, record an audio file uh call it into our phone number one eight 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 five oh eight four three four three email it to us at the Sci-Fi diner podcast at gmail dot com and uh you can get those to us. I believe that's about it. We really need to wrap up the show. We're heading into an hour and a half here,
3: and uh maybe I'll have it edited down a little bit shorter than that but but uh, it's going to be a long show. But it's worth listening to. We, yeah, had, we had a really nice conversation with Jared. Yeah, but it's, it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. Miles, where can they find the Sci-Fi Diner podcast? You just Google Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Yep, yeah, that'll find it. You'll find our site. Our URL is the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast
5: Pretty mm-hmm. easy there. Mm-hmm. And our email, as I said before, is the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com.
3: Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Diner. And uh, Miles, they can find you on Twitter. I'm Son of Warf at Twitter. And uh, I'm also on Trek Space, Son of Worf, and uh, we have a uh, uh, Sci-Fi Diner uh, fan, uh, podcast uh, fan page on, on Facebook. Also, yeah,
5: and please join that if you can. Once we get up to a certain number of members, we can get our own URL. It will shorten it a little bit for us, and we can actually remember it. Other than that, the link will be in the show notes for that. By the way, I got contacted by a guy who wants to sell, a, who wanted to sell me a domain on the Podcast Diner. Oh. And uh, Or the Diner Podcast or something like that. Well, I didn't buy it. I don't really need it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no domain in my name, but it's kind of intriguing. Kind of intriguing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. I also run one called Haiti in Focus. If, you, if you're interested in finding out what's going on in the Haiti universe, um, you let me know if you've been watching CNN at all. But um, I have a, a distinct interest in that. We'll talk about that in another show. Not okay. right now. Um, but that's about it. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. We'll see you later, Miles. Until then, good night and good luck. Yeah. Thanks for joining us.